0: Be a university's great books reading list, and have nice, thoughtful chats along the way. I'm your host this week. I'm David Grubbs, recording from uh, Sugarland, Texas, outside of Houston. You might have heard me on the Christian Humanist Podcast, Christian Humanist Profiles, Smattering of other places. And with me is a jovial crew. Uh, unlike Odysseus's crew, I hope they survive this voyage. <laughs> uh, and 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 well, I mean, y'all made it to the end of the book, so I guess you have right. Uh, with me is Coyle Neal. Where are you recording from, and where they might might they have heard your dulcet tones, sir?
1: Well, if I had dulcet tones, uh, they would have heard them on the City of Man podcast, uh, coming uh, from Bolivar, Missouri, and Southwest Baptist University.
0: Sweet deal. Uh,
2: also, Jay Eldred, where are you, sir? Where might they have heard you? Well, I'm recording from Newburn, North Carolina, the place where the hurricanes always hit, and uh, our listeners probably heard me on Sectarian Review, although I have made appearances on uh, Profiles and the Christian Feminist podcast as well. And Jordan Poss, where are
0: you recording from and where would they have heard you or will hear you or whatever?
3: <laughs> I am recording from Fountain Inn, South Carolina. Uh, I teach in Greenwood, South Carolina, and you will have maybe heard me. I've been on sectarian review a lot. It's been a while with that one. I think I have been on city of man more now and then here and there elsewhere.
0: Cool beans. So old hands on the network and we are turning to the last books of the odyssey, 22, 23 and 24. Um, action packed, rip roaring, uh, red blooded stuff in these books And uh, just delighted that we managed to actually make it through this adventure alive like Odysseus, uh, though, not without some divine intervention. Well, uh, in. Book 22 uh, book 22 is the follow up to the incredibly awesome book 21 in which Odysseus strings his bow, Uh, but that book has already been ably discussed in the previous episode. Um, Spoiler. Yeah, he strings the bow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking uh, at the beginning of book 22, uh, where we find out what he does with the first arrow. Well, the first arrow after the axe feet, anyway. Uh, so is this the most awesome battle in the Odyssey, or is it the only battle in the Odyssey?
1: <laughs> it's, it's certainly a battle that I felt like I had earned. Yeah. Like I'd spent several books reading about Odysseus sitting at the door of his house being kicked. And, uh, I, I, I was, I was ready for something to happen. Uh, any, anything really, but especially this, uh, which doesn't answer your question. I think, I think it's the only battle I, in, in, in terms of, you know, mask. I guess they, they kind of fight the Cyclops if you count that, um, and there's there's some reference to the Trojan War, but this is the only pitched battle that's that's fought.
0: Other than punching that one beggar guy, I can't remember any other real action <laughs> other than monster threats. I mean, is my is my brain fuzzy, Jordan and Jay, or can you think of anything?
3: i no, I think my brains. Right on. Yeah, go go ahead, Jay.
2: <laughs> no, I I would agree. It's it's been twenty. 21 books of suspense and now we're finally getting a payoff.
3: Yeah, if there's any, if there is any other description of combat, like qua combat, uh, it is in a flashback. Uh, so, I mean, you know, re- rereading this for the first time in a decade, I was surprised to realize what a compressed time frame it takes place across. I mean, if you, if you really, if you really track, you know, there's the first four books like the Telemachy. And then you pick up with Odysseus who's sitting on a beach and he essentially, you know, makes an overnight trip uh, to the one, the, the kingdom where they, they give him a hitch, you know, hit, give him a ride back to Ithaca. He spends like, what, two days there and basically two days in Ithaca before revealing himself and taking back over. So, I mean, it, it's, this is about a week as opposed to, you know, a couple months of the Iliad. um, But, but it is, it is very very rich <laughs> because of, uh, that in medius race structure again, flashing back constantly. There's, there's some of that in the Iliad too, but the Iliad so much is so much else is happening in the present time frame in the Iliad that you kind of lose sight of any flashbacks. I mean, the, the Odysseus's journeys take up like what the, the middle four books of the poem, something like that. Yeah. Um, nine,
0: nine through 12.
3: Yeah. The, the, uh, the, con- so, so, I mean, I, and and again rereading this again older maybe wiser I don't know at least more experienced uh, and and with you know ha- having read more having written more i was really blown away by homer's you know manipulation in a a you know in the in the good connotation of the word his manipulation of suspense like y'all were talking about this does really feel earned and uh the kind of silly comparison that i make uh when i'm describing the odyssey to my students who have almost none of whom have actually read even if they've heard of it um i compare it to like the the climactic battle in taken or something uh where you know you've watched (laughs) you you know the, the the just absolute tidal wave of righteous rage that you finally get to purge out of yourself after having seen liam neeson you know, slowly work his way through this just string of horrifically bad people, uh, finally to take out a whole bunch of them at the same time and save the day. Uh, I, I really feel like, you know, seeing a hero overcome that kind of abuse on that kind of a journey and finally slaughter is, <laughs> is, uh, is, is really narratively satisfying anyway.
1: I, I actually had a question about that, but I don't want to derail the, uh, the, the conversation. Um, so I can hold on to it, but don't let me forget.
3: <laughs> okay. I, I've I've already spoken too much, so if you want to do that, go for it. <laughs> I,
1: I I was curious if you guys uh if you guys felt that everyone who died deserved to die and deserved to die in the way they died. Like, was this actually a uh, book twenty two anyway? Right? Was book twenty two uh, just recompense?
2: Yeah. Not always. Well,
0: if we're going to say well i I think maybe there's one useful distinction: the suitors versus the household, right so that that's kind of two different movements in this uh, in this book. So maybe treating them maybe treat them separately. I guess first, are there any suitors that maybe shouldn't have shouldn't have made the cut? I'm sorry,
3: that's <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was coming out of my mouth. i like, terrible. "Oh,
0: it's it's awful. I'm a bad That's person." Fantastic.
3: Well, there's the one guy, and his name is his name is slipping my mind because uh, all of the suitors' names, with the exceptions of Antinous, uh kind of run together after a while. But there's the one guy who, who's kind of a moderating influence on them, and kind of scales, you know, rolls back some of the worst of their behavior. He doesn't succeed in keeping them from trying to kill Telemachus. He doesn't succeed in keeping them from abusing these guests. Um, and it gets us actually kind of into a question we asked repeatedly in the Iliad, which was, these are people making choices and yet fate also plays a role because that guy is explicitly, and I, I think it's earlier than in the books we're talking about, it's explicitly said that he has a choice in all of this, but he makes a choice that is in accordance with his fate anyway, because it has already been fated that he's going to take a spear from Telemachus. Right. Um, which raises interesting questions of its own. I mean, it, it's interesting I mean, one of the running themes through the entire book is the claims and the stakes in hospitality. Uh, and you will never find worse house guests than the suitors. I mean, the, every every convention of hospitality, they don't just violate but gleefully violate. They make a game of it, you know? um and in uh in a society like this hospitality is one of the only things that actually holds everything together i mean you can see still see this in you know like uh you know afghan mountain tribal societies that kind of thing where the the claims of hospitality are literally life and death claims so at least speaking within the context of Odysseus's society I, I think yeah I mean the, the the suitors get what they they've been asking for the whole time and, and definitely richly deserve
1: right I mean certainly in a in a book about restoring the household and putting it into its proper order right you know after this horrific war they are the people who are the cause of chaos in the household exactly. at least to some extent
3: which uh, is also an act of sacrilege because right. I mean it's it, you know hospitality is you know, and this, the, you know, hospitality is linked to the claims of the gods many times as well, too, where, you know, this is a good reminder for me because I, I forget about this sometimes. But, I mean, you were, the, the gods demanded that you take care of beggars, too, even in Greek society. And you see that flouted all the time. So it's it's not just that these guys are using the material, right, eating out the substance of Odysseus's household. I mean, they're doing this in a way that violates the commands of the gods as well. And Odysseus is, you know, the divine instrument of you know, both restoring order and he he's doing the Furies work for them, right?
0: Yeah. I mean they're bad guests and they're bad hosts.
3: Yes. So mm-hmm.
0: so they manage to they manage to offend on both sides of the equation in absolutely egregious ways. Mm-hmm. Uh I think the guy that you were thinking of, Jordan, is uh uh amphinomus or amphinomus? Yeah, it starts
3: it starts with an amph. So yeah. Yeah.
0: An yeah. amph. Uh back in book eighteen, uh Odysseus was yeah. dropping some serious hints that maybe he shouldn't show up the next day. Yeah.
3: That's uh <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking of.
0: But it says, and uh, feminus made his way back through the hall, his heart sick with anguish, shaking his head fraught with grave forebodings, but not even so could he escape his fate. Even then, Athena had bound him fast to death at the hands of Prince Telemachus and his spear. And that is exactly what happens. He gets a spear in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because it's not Odysseus that kills him, and Odysseus didn't want to.
3: Right. Hmm. That is interesting,
0: Um, but maybe Telemachus—I mean, Telemachus endured much more at their hands than Odysseus did, right? Right. Um, And
1: I didn't check if to see if this happened every time, but most, or at least many, of the times when the suitors would do something decent, you know, one of them would say. Something you know, don't don't harm Telemachus or give the beggar some food or whatever. Uh, we get a little line about, but he didn't really mean this in his heart. He was really going to kill Telemachus anyway, or he was just doing this to you know make the beggar look worse. I mean, we, we're given just a tiny picture inside the the uh, the psychology of the suitors, and even when they're doing good stuff, they're 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 not necessarily doing it for good reasons or they're just lying. Yeah, I, I want to say it's every time, but I I don't want to stand on that too. I'm pretty
3: different. sure that's, I mean, that, That's if not right, it's 99% right. E- even their mercies are cruel um, <clears throat> and done always, always, always for ulterior motive or, or some kind of, n- ne- it's never out of piety or because of the obligations that a host or a guest has. It, it's for some other reason. And you can compare Eumaeus, right, who <laughs> has so little to give and yet immediately ponies up what is required of him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to meditate on this as a battle for a second, though, because I feel as if this is absolutely chock full of all the sorts of tropes that we've seen in numberless action movies and not just period action movies. I mean, you, you, you already mentioned Taken. (laughs) You know, I was thinking of John Wick, which is the kind of movie that someone makes if they read nothing but they 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 skipped all of the Odyssey except the day that they covered Book (laughs) Twenty (laughs) Two, and so they just wanted to just cut straight to it. (laughs)
3: That's great.
0: Um, so is it this feels very uh, influ? Is it is it that it's that is it that it's influential or is it that this is just, you know, when when someone figures out how to, to how to to write or direct action, they end up using these tools. Mm. Um, what what would you point to in here, as awesome battle stuff? <laughs> Technical term.
3: All of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know you you had mentioned um, oh, now I forget his his face, the one who got the spear in the got the spear in the back I know when I was reading it it was you know in my mind I was almost playing like a movie with him advancing on Odysseus and you know I don't want to kill him but what am I going to do then all of a sudden you no know, the camera zooms in and you have like a puncture coming out of his chest as the spear comes yeah. through and he falls down dead
3: yeah nice it's, it's that scene in so many action movies where the bad guy pulls his gun on the hero and you hear a gunshot but it's the sidekick who's off camera who's just returned Mhm. Yeah.
2: That is excellent. Although since we're talking about the book as a battle and it kind of goes back to your previous question about if the suitors deserved what they got first of all I will say I think that they deserved what they got you know with the rules of hospitality and and everything but if we're going to treat it as a battle what of the what of the custom of begging for mercy in battle? Because we do have laities. Pardon my Greek. We do have laities who begs for mercy from Odysseus. And much like Achilles back in the Iliad, Odysseus has no no compunction for that and cuts him down. So, you know, if, if it is a battle, has Odysseus acted as he should, even if the suitors didn't?
1: Although... Uh... Medon does get shown mercy. So there there's uh someone who doesn't and someone who does. We we get a picture of each.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess the the question is did did one of them deserve mercy and one of them didn't uh one of them not. Yeah, that is a good question.
0: Yeah. I I find really interesting. Well the the death of Antinous is cool. It's slow-mo. Yeah. You know, like from the time that uh Odysseus ch- Aims the arrow at him, and something like line eight to when uh, Antonus actually hits the floor. It's it's something like twelve or thirteen lines. Yeah, arrows move faster than that, so <laughs> I, I, I consider this a slow motion shot. Yes, <laughs> we've got
3: and it's and deserved yeah. <laughs> and that's what you, and that's what you want in an action in an action scene when when the bad guy gets it you want to be able to relish it that's that's one of that's one of the flaws in the dark knight rises and when bane gets killed he's just like blown off the screen and then you never see him again Which and that's that's too fast uh and and that's that's a good example of homer's skill in pacing because not to keep backing up but right at the tail end of book 21 you know there's this long build up to him you know Get you know all the suitors try the bow and they you know they even like get lard out and try to you know grease up the bow and uh, finally Odysseus gets it and he goes over it and he inspects it and then boom like half a line he's got the thing strung and not and with an arrow knocked and it's you know it's, it's so so this is you know it, 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 we talk we kept talking about the Aristea in the Iliad last year books twenty one and twenty two are kind of Homer's uh, Aristea of tempo you know as right. as far as you know governing the 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 unfolding of the action and something that struck me throughout the book but is definitely on display here talking about like action movie tropes is the something that you also see throughout the iliad is this it, it's hard not to talk about it in cinematic terms like in like this intercutting of wide shots and extreme close ups you know mm-hmm. insert shots so the one that jumps immediately to mind is from several books back though when is it Eurycleia, the nurse uh you know, she, she's washing Odysseus and finds the scar, and you actually get the little detail that she looks up and drops the wash basin, which you can immediately see that edited together in your mind, right? And you get that mm-hmm. throughout here, you know, you get the drawing of bowstrings and the grabbing of weapons and, you know, the, the one guy who keeps sneaking into the storeroom and back out with equipment, which, you know, immediately changes the dynamic of, you know, who has the advantage on which side of the battle, and it's 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 really masterfully done and you know having having tried to write action scenes as well you can't get much better than this 3000-year-old poem
1: and even even <laughs> the very beginning of book 21 or uh, 22 I uh, my my translation says he vaulted onto the threshold i i can't picture that because i'm not entirely sure what that looks like so i kind of substituted in the dining room table and then started <laughs> shooting arrows at people <laughs> and it's somehow he was standing on the door uh and uh and and firing arrows and it it is it is very much an action movie scene uh while he yeah. uh while they're all running for armor yeah.
2: we we also have the the uh trope of overturning tables and using them as shields yeah. and yes and uh you know 20 against 1 odds everyone shooting at odysseus and all of them missing you know they all yes. they all Im- they all embed themselves in the door frame yeah yeah, I, that, that's just classic stuff.
3: It, yeah,
0: I love uh, y- you mentioned uh, the uh, the goat herd Melanthius, who who knows a back way to sneak into the strong room.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, right. The, the I, I'm reading Fagels. I don't uh, usually we've been announcing what our translations are. I forgot to ask about that. Um, ah, well, life goes on. But uh fagel's describes him as uh crawling through oh, where, where's the line he's crawling through smoke vents i think was what it was what it called them uh a hatch a smoke vent of some kind and as soon as it, uh as soon as it described it I thought, okay, now I just see John McClane smiling, <laughs> crawling through the ductwork. Oh, 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 gosh, yes, top of page, or uh, roundabout line 151. With that, the goat herd clambered up through the smoke ducts high on the wall <laughs> and scurried into the storeroom. So while there's this pitched battle going on in the in the banquet hall, you've got this other guy doing this sort of duct work crawl <laughs> <What>? <laughs> to, to pull an arms heist. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just awesome. It's awesome editing because it's not just one duel after another duel. It's like, yeah. here's a fight and there's a fight and here's this other struggle over who has access to the strong room. And uh, it's just, it's just really, really cool. I feel like, um, this particular battle scene has an attention to the specifics of the location yes. in a way that I find hard to find a parallel in my memories of the Iliad. I know that they run around Troy, but I don't get much sense of like the tactical the ground that they're fighting on. Maybe once they get into gets it get in among the ships,
3: yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a little that's a little more vivid because there's there's that kind of berm that they erect around the Mm -hmm. fleet and they fight on and around and above and below that and between the ships. Otherwise, they're just out on the dusty plain. Right. So, I mean, the diehard comparison is actually pretty apt because you are very much in this confined space where the geography of the action begins to matter so much more. Um, And again, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 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 Not, yeah. Not just the geography, but the architecture, like you said. And it, it yeah, it's, and it's, again, masterfully done because you can vivid, I, I at least can like vividly see this, the proportions of this building and how the suitors, you know, with these, this, <laughs> these bodies accumulating like a snowdrift in the middle, uh, are backed up into one corner with, you know, the, the king and his son and a couple of, you know, cowboys, <laughs> uh, <laughs> big boys uh, at the other end of the room uh, <laughs> trying to size each other up and, you know, sort of, you know, nudge back and forth. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, all I can do is gush. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Well, we need to, we need to get to 23 and 24 at some, <laughs> some point.
3: Um, well, can I ask one, can I ask a question so about 22? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I still want to talk about the judgment on the servants at the end.
3: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, def, definitely that, especially since uh, they give numbers, they hang what, 12 out of 45? No. Uh,
0: 12 out of like 50, 50 something.
3: 50. Yeah. It, yeah, it comes down to like a quarter of the household
1: servants. Or Af- the after servants. they make them clean up all of the mess. Yes. Right. They, yeah. they have to scrub the place down and remove the bodies and do all of the dirty work and then they execute them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's savage. The, the question, well, maybe we should deal with that first, but m- my question that we can come back to, I'm not precisely sure what I'm supposed to be picturing when he cleanses the house with fire. Cause you know, the, the, I'm, I'm using Fagles too. And at one point he talks, you know, he says that the yeah. uh, Eurycleia brings him fire and brimstone. Uh, Fagles uh, translates at least part of it, fumigating the house as if he's setting off like a bug bomb or something. Um, so I'm not, is, is that just kind of like allowing smoke to sort of waft that coppery slaughter yard smell away? Or is he literally burning something?
1: So the, the first time I read this, I definitely pictured like a blowtorch, like (laughs) cleansing the house, (laughs) Like, like the, the servants he executed, didn't get the blood cleaned off well enough. So they took care of it that way. My, my impression you know, now being twenty years older, uh, is that this is uh, kind of a ritual cleansing, like it's yep. a, yeah, yeah like a, kind of like a Old Testament sprinkling with blood type situation. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily burning everything because mm. you, know, you wouldn't torch your house after you just got it back, right. but rather a, like a candle and incense or some some version some variation on that.
3: that I makes, don't know if that that that's
1: makes... right. That's that's more how I would read it though. No,
3: no, th- thanks for that, and that makes perfect sense given you know I, I've you know we've talked about the the sacred aspect of all of this as well. That would tie in perfectly with that. Sorry, Jay.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the way that I read it. I'm using Fitzgerald's translation. And in that one, Odysseus asks for a brimstone and a brazier. So that would make more sense to be of a purifying ritual. I know in my mind, I was thinking it was similar to the way some people might burn sage today.
1: Hmm. I mean, when, when you guys ask your wives to bring you brimstone, what do they bring? <laughs>
2: Sulfur <laughs> samples.
1: Sulfur samples. Essential oil, brimstone, right? Uh, <laughs> That's bath, bath and body works.
0: Pretty stinky. I I was thinking. Of, <laughs> I, I know that uh, smudging uh, is uh, tends to be associated with um, Native Americans, but I would not be surprised, given you know, kind of the uses of incense and smoke and fire in just rituals and uh, in cultures throughout the world. Um, the idea that some kind of purification through the use of fire and smoke would be would be something that we would find here. That isn't really something that I dug much into. I mean, but now that you now that you draw my attention back to it, uh, that I, I, th- I feel like that's actually kind of a cool note at the end of it. It's as yeah. if this house has been has become ritually unclean. It's yeah. not just that it's bloody. It's that a lot of people died there, and he needs to dis- he not, d- needs to not only, you know, clean up the physical evidence, but he also needs to, in some way, purify it spiritually,
3: even. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the violence and, is and just not, the capstone on the sacrilege.
2: I was going to say it's not just the violence; it was everything leading up to the violence.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you think? I mean, how, how do you get Telemachus and Penelope to live in that house anymore? You know, like like that's you you need some serious cleansing from previous associations in order for that that family to continue to occupy that space that was so um, tainted by abuse.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm.
0: So the the servant, the execution of the servants, the prophet gets it, but the poet doesn't. I don't know. I mean, maybe that. Maybe that's kind of the the singer of the poem. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't. You can't kill the Homer stand-in. <laughs> um, the herald lives, and then you have the maid servants, and then you have the goat herd. Uh, if you're in the heads of the, uh, I, I know our reactions to it are probably. V- quite out of phase with what the reactions the poet expects from the original audience but i don't know necessarily a whole lot about what ancient greek attitudes would have been towards what the rights of the head of the household are and things like that you know i i mainly know I'm, i mainly reads i'm mainly a lit guy um do y'all have any insight on that like is does this look like justice at the time even if it doesn't now.
3: I I get the impression just tonally and where it comes in the story that it's supposed to read that way. So I was, when I read it, I mean, yeah, it definitely, even as much as I was cheering on the absolute butchery of the suitors, that, that part I had forgotten about and it sat very differently with me. Um, And I, so I was trying to put myself in that headspace and understand it from the inside. and, Again, uh I'm I'm the nearest thing that I can come to this and there's there's probably parallels, maybe not exact parallels, but at least in Roman society, the Potter literally had life and death power over his household. And of course the Latin word familia means household rather than just your literal nuclear family. Uh it, it was very rarely exercised that a potter would like have a kid or a, somebody killed, but they, they could. So I'm I'm guessing, especially in the Much more tenuous Bronze Age society of, you know, the you know radically decentralized and balkanized, um, you know, Mycenaean Greek world. I'm I'm guessing there's probably at least some kind of parallel authority that Odysseus has because he's not only the head of the household, he is the king. And I also read this as well as you know, it, it wasn't. I mean, you know, there's there's really not individuals are important but of course they're part of something larger and that's one of the running themes of the entire poem in order to restore order odysseus is having to deal with betrayal and these these are people and and, you know in at least one explicit example one of the the maids is abetting the suitors she's not just sleeping with the guy she's actually like trying to help them actively take over um and if that's if if we're if we're meant to read that across the other eleven who are executed you know that begins to make a certain kind of sense um but i, I think it's you know again it, it's they were part of the sacrilege of these inhospitable violent violating suitors and in or i mean they don't spear this the maids I, th- I thought it was interesting that they were hanged instead um but I I don't know. Am I that felt
0: am, more criminal to me? Hanging, than hanging, hanging. Did.
3: yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah, it, it's, that that's a really good distinction. I don't I don't know exactly what to make of it, but I I, I see it definitely that that he's punishing them for a role in betrayal. Mm-hmm. In at least one case, a very direct and intentional betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's some element as well. I mean, you know, if if they abetted the violation of his household and his kingdom in that way. I mean, can he ever trust them again? Um, yeah. And there's there's not a lot of room for that kind of grace in Greek society. I don't know. I've, I've said a lot about this. That, that was me trying to puzzle out how the original audience would have heard it. Again, understanding Odysseus as a hero and trying to see how this fits with his heroism and with the justice that is clearly supposed to be meted out through the course of the entire book.
1: I don't know Boyle, Jay,
3: what do y'all got? (laughs) I
1: I took kind of the lazy, lazy man's lowbrow reading of that. He hanged them because they were the maids and there would be no one else to clean up the mess if they'd done anything else. Like it was just a less messy way to kill them. Like they had had to clean up everything. (laughs) <laughs> so that, I, I mean, that's that was kind of my read on it. Is well, oh. Do this.
3: oh, Lousy. Well, oh, it occurs to me one last thought. It occurs to me that a parallel that occurred to me from modern history is the way um, female collaborators with the Nazis retreated after like the liberation of France or the Low Countries. You don't yes. get a lot of, and
2: that's where I
1: went with that.
3: Yeah, you, you don't get a lot of like lynching, but you absolutely get you know public humiliation and ostracism you know
1: well and and i I think it's uh i think you're right to point out that odysseus is a king so at least in terms of the uh uh the the oh what was he the goat herd or the 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 guy who was on the side of the suitors right yeah so the suitors at least are nearer to the aristocratic level of odysseus uh the the mutilation of him i assume there's a class element there too uh, I, we're not told, like, we're just kind of told that this happens and they move on, but I assume that, that it is it is worse because he is someone who ought not be betraying Odysseus. They they all shouldn't be, but he especially shouldn't be. Yeah. Well,
0: it, it says they, they hold him out through the doorway into the court. They d- mutilate him horribly, and then they wash their hands and went inside to join Odysseus.
3: Hmm.
0: Odysseus isn't one of the day. Telemachus might be one of the day because Telemachus is the one who you see. Um, Telemachus is the one who hangs the the tra- the, the traitorous maids. Not Odysseus. Telemachus that's... is the one who does that. Right. So is it the cow herd and the swine herd who go after the goat herd? That uh, b- because that, we've seen. Uh, Odysseus, you know, sort of preside over the execution of the suitors, and then Telemachus presides over the execution of the traitorous maids. I don't know, maybe it's their
2: turn. What were you going to say, Jay? I was going to say, that's the way it is in my reading. Just a few lines before, it's Telemachus and the herdsmen who are are handling all of this, as Odysseus is still inside.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I wonder, uh, especially with Telemachus, the way, the what he says to the women, no clean death for the likes of them, not for me. They showered abuse on my head. My mother's too. All right. So he, he's been there to see the way that they've treated, well, not not just him, but also his mother the whole time. He's got a, he's got a set of motivations in that particular situation that Odysseus doesn't have I thought it was really interesting the very last thing that you see in book 22 is the old nurse went to tell the women the news what women well there's only uh, other than Penelope the only women in the house are servants um They, those women, came crowding out of their quarters, torch in hand, flung their arms around Odysseus, hugged him home at last, kissed his heads and shoulders, seized his hands, and he, overcome by a lovely longing, broke down and wept wept deep in his heart. He knew them one and all. I mean, if that's the way these servants felt about Odysseus... Then maybe the betrayal of the other twelve is that much more heinous, yep. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
2: And something that I just realized when you mentioned that it was Telemachus that was doing the, that was like in charge of the execution, is that it's still Odysseus who orders it, and he doesn't order them hanged. In my translation, he tells them to hack them with your sword, bl- sword blades until you cut the life out of them. Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting. That would be somewhere between line 440 or so, in my translation.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little Uh, ahead. 468 in Fagels. Pack them with your swords, slash out all their lives. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Telemachus doesn't follow orders.
3: Because he says, no clean death for the likes of them by God.
0: Uh, book twenty-three is I mean, one of probably some of the the probably one of the most classic scenes in the Odyssey is the uh the testing of Odysseus by Penelope. Um, mm-hmm. She, I mean, they don't have DNA. They can't take his fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> There's no biometrics at this time. So she has to come up with an with you know a, a foolproof identity test for being Odysseus. Who is more clever in the Odyssey? Is it is it Odysseus or is it really Penelope the whole time? Because she just seems so brilliant to me in this book.
2: Interestingly, I wrote down the same question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jay? Overall, I would have to say Penelope. Mm. I think she, like, overall, I think she has, she's, she's just more clever. I mean, she held off the suitors for how many years? Yeah. Odysseus, although he's often called cunning, he more often than not relies on strength rather than wits.
0: Yeah. He lies a lot, but they always seem to be the same. Like, he, 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 he's got, you know, about four four or five different times, maybe. It, maybe it's less than that. But it, but it feels like he keep in Ithaca, he keeps telling people another hard luck story again and again and again. And each time the hard luck stories, they all sound very much alike. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I agree. Penelope is just very successful for a very long time. Yeah, um, in a high-stakes game where she literally has no recourse to force. Yeah, they seem like a well-matched pair.
3: That, yeah, I, I, that's exactly what that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I don't know who's more clever. I just think they're a brilliant match. I mean, they they are perfect <laughs> together, uh, and and like you said, she does not have recourse to violence or or, or the use of force to drive away the suitors and. Manages to hold up under that pressure, also not losing anybody, because <laughs> uh, o- Odysseus struggles even to com- maintain control of his men. Um, which you know, the half of half of his problems are not really his problems, but he's got to deal with that. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I, I I think they're a brilliant match, and and they when they when he finally passes the test and convinces her, I. I teared up and I was not ready for that.
0: Yeah. That moment, that moment affects me so much because she's had to, she's had to just, she's had to endure so much. She's had to stand so strong for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's yeah. It's just really, really cool. Really, really cool.
2: It's definitely one of the happier homecomings. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been way better than Agamemnon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Penelope's no Clytemnestra, well, or yeah. vice versa.
1: Yeah, and she's a, she's certainly understanding. Even when he tells her, "Hey, I'm not done. Right, I still have to go on this one more trip." Right. Uh, which he, which he doesn't go on in this book, but at least tells her that he, he's going to have to.
0: I love that. That's almost the first thing he tells her. Mhm, like that that feels a a more compulsively deceitful, the more compulsively deceitful Odysseus that we get to see in most of the epic might have dissimulated about that, but not with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just immediately, okay, before we get to the good news, <laughs> here's the bad, here's the bad news. And now. <laughs> But now, but now let's let's you know let's enjoy being together again. I love that she demands to 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 hear the whole story, and he literally has to sit here and do like uh, it's it starts about line, around line three fifty five uh, in the fagles, but she makes him retell what was basically books nine through twelve.
3: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And then they go to sleep. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, uh, if 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 you've ever if you've ever gotten home after a long day, um, and you got the uh, so what happened in your day question, and you were like, I feel a little tired for that. I think if Odysseus can get through his day, <laughs> you can too, man. <laughs> Oh man. Um. Let's see. Well, book twenty-four. Is... Sorry, sorry,
1: before we jump on to book twenty-four, do we want to talk yeah. about the bed at all? I was just thinking that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I love yes. that bed. Well...
1: I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I love it or not. Like, I, I love the idea <laughs> of it. Yeah. But it also sounds like it's going to be full of dirt and bugs. Am, am I crazy? <laughs>
3: Termite no.
2: thing. <laughs> Jason, I mean, you're you're not crazy. I I had a family member that I'm not saying that, you know, they had a bed like Odysseus, but they lived in a true log cabin and the bugs were awful. Yeah, so I, I can mean, only imagine.
1: I, I <laughs> imagine
3: and, 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 I imagine in this world they're used to some of that. Sure. They do have a, a dog lying on a dunghill right outside the door.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I just did... said, like, they have a dunghill right
2: outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the symbolism, though, because it is an olive yeah. tree. And that symbol mm-hmm. of peace. And Odysseus finally coming home and, well, making peace.
3: Yeah. And literal roots in a mm-hmm. poem that is so much about reuniting a family and restoring order and yeah. ensuring longevity and the handing on of things. Yeah. The
0: one permanent and unshakable and unthreatened thing in the whole play or in the whole Epic really is. Will Penelope give up on Odysseus? I don't think, I don't think she ever really was going to, mm-hmm. she's just, she's, she's the tree. Yeah. You know. Um, I like, I like your point, Jay, about the olive as the symbol of peace and carrying the olive branch um, at, as that. Uh, if I remember rightly, and I can't remember what source we get this from originally, but Athens chose Athena as their patron when she offered them the gift of olive trees.
1: Mm-hmm
0: uh and and there's something about the olive tree as a symbol of well rooted the rooted stability of the bed but also the ability for a civilization to sustain itself in a in in a place right in order to reap in order to grow olives you can't be (laughs) you can't be nomadic you can't be seasonal you have to stay in the same place for years and cultivate them and that requires a kind of sustained stability over time and there's something about the olive tree and the virtues that athena means in Mm. especially in the later greek culture that uh i think that's a good sign in this at this point in the in in the epic that finally odysseus has returned to a place in his story and a place in his world where maybe some kind of sustained peace over time can happen. And we haven't seen a lot of that in the Homeric epics, really, Yeah. Except, except maybe fascia, but then they got a yeah. mountain dropped on them.
3: <laughs> well, something about olive trees as well, that's, that's, you know, not mentioned, but, um, there, once they have put down roots and are mature, they're almost impossible to to kill to like kill they're almost impossible to destroy um they they are very difficult to cut down and and they're they're deeply firmly rooted to the landscape that 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 fact about olive trees um some years ago I did a profiles interview with Victor Davis Hanson about his book about World War II but I I know him primarily as a classicist and a military historian of ancient Greece and that is the question that got him into that was you know he would read and Thucydides about armies marching into olive groves and trying to destroy them and having grown up on a farm with those kinds of that, you know, viticulture and and olive trees. He knew what backbreaking labor it would be to kill even one olive tree. Uh, So the fact that it is specifically an olive tree, you've got the sacred there and also very practically you've got something that once it's mature, it is going to be like a rock. It is is not going away. Um, which is, you know, one reason Odysseus is surprised that uh, she can she can trick him by by saying bring the bed out here, you know, because he knows it ought not to be going anywhere. Um, and I also like that you know it's it's easy to kind of the easy route since since you know we're this is the last episode of this particular book, um, even though we aren't to book twenty four yet. But the, an easy route that I've heard of over and over and over again to kind of poke fun at the odyssey is to talk about odysseus's sex life. Um and you know of course he one of the first topics of conversation he and penelope get to is that, right? Because it's you know it's been 20 years. Um but it, you know that is the fact that you know athena is there in and and the olive tree is has those sacred associations and it is, you know, central and it is not just sacred to athena that room is sacred to just themselves mm-hmm. you know it is it is holy in the sense of set apart i mean there is there's so much going on with that bed you know that that uh, it's not just about oh. odysseus having had to wait a long time it, it's <laughs> you know there there's something there's something else that has to be restored by retiring to that room
2: i read it as he was truly returning home not just to the geographic location but to the place where he was meant to be right yeah
0: yeah i mean we've seen him longing for this not just this geographic or architectural but this familial and relational space we've seen him longing for this since book five when he first opened his mouth yeah and here he is Mm-hmm. Book twenty-four in the Fagles translation it gets titled as Peace, uh, which, well, we'll 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 get to that. Uh, my favorite thing about Book twenty-four is it is that it starts with the final long-awaited punchline to the Agamemnon joke. <laughs> At least that's how I read it. Agamemnon and the murder of Agamemnon by uh, uh, Aegisthus, and the avenging of that by Orestes, um, has shown up all throughout the Odyssey. You know, Telem- Telemachus should be more like Orestes, Penelope feel, or, uh, Odysseus fears that Penelope will be like Clytemnestra, he meets him in the underworld and he's complaining about having gotten murdered in the face. You know, which, which makes sense. I would, I would too. And he's still complaining about that (laughs) at the beginning of book 24. But then the dead suitors show up, sidle up to famous King Agamemnon, who got murdered at a party through the connivance of a woman. Do they think that they're going to get sympathy? (laughs) Right? Do they think that's what's going to happen? We've got lots in common. We also got murdered at a party. But his reaction, after they share their hard luck story, um, his reaction, uh, line 210 in Fagels, is, Happy Odysseus, son of old Aertes, mastermind, what a fine, faithful wife you won. Not like Clytemnestra, she murdered me. (laughs) (laughs) And then we leave him. Um, so I, all, all I all I could see in that moment is just those poor, sad suitors, thinking they're going to get some sympathy from the one guy whose story they think is like theirs, and all he can do is cheer on the title character,
1: <laughs> and then start
0: complaining about how he got murdered again.
3: <laughs> it's hard not to imagine that as a Far Side cartoon, you know the the Far Side cartoon set in hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, even the coffee's cold. Like, the yeah, yeah that it's it's hard not to imagine it look, looking like that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. I did not make the connection the 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 parallel arcs of the suitors to Agamemnon because both of them committed acts of profanation. Agamemnon raping and stealing away Cassandra. Both of them, you know, violated rules of hospitality and household norms. Yeah, well, that's that's a really rich vein that I'm I am definitely going to mind that next time I go back through it.
0: Well they're boorish and deeply unsympathetic. Yes. When when I teach the Odyssey to uh, in a in a sophomore survey that I that I pretty much teach every semester, we read the Odyssey and we don't read the Iliad. And so the first time we had taught we encounter this discussion of the murder of Agamemnon, I have to explain to my students, this Agamemnon guy is a guy that literally the first thing you learn in the Iliad is that you hate this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And to get to the beginning of the Odyssey and the first thing that we're, the first topic of conversation is how he got murdered. Like there's a little part of you that's like, (laughs) (laughs) a a little part Mm. I mean, it's
2: horrible. Yeah. It's awful, but like, I don't like Agamemnon.
3: <laughs> no, he, he's you see, hard I, to like.
2: Okay, I must, I must be odd then. I not that I would want to be friends with him, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he gets the hate he deserves. That's just me. Oh, you you think he
0: deserves more hate? Oh no, less hate. Oh oh oh! Sorry 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 sorry. sorry. He he gets more hate than he deserves. Okay.
2: Yeah. He sorry, has his
3: that might come out so. right. I think we talked about this when we did the Iliad last year, but Agamemnon has his strengths. He's he's a, a king for a reason, but especially when he begins conniving against Achilles in such an underhanded way, so that it is he that's ultimately responsible for plague and all of this other misery. You know, it, it does all come back on him, and and of course you've got the whole Cassandra thing. Uh, yeah, he, I I feel worse for Menelaus because he's got cuckolded you know um do yeah. not 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 to relitigate the iliad
1: <laughs> well and and uh, in the
0: aristia
3: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well and and neither i don't remember in the iliad i know the odyssey doesn't bring iphigenia into it right so uh he's yeah. he's worse in some ways in some of the later stuff so yeah so, sorry jay i disagree with you on that one he's mm, re-
2: uh, what can i say about revisionist literature <laughs> <laughs> You
0: know, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I I think this is really funny. We have anything that we want to say about the reunion with his dad? Um. Uh, I was finally happy that he didn't that that he managed to actually break out of the lie. Finally.
2: Um. Yeah, I didn't understand the lie in the first place. In other words, yeah. why?
0: Feels so. It feels really cruel at this point, doesn't it?
3: Or at least gratuitous. Like, what? What's the point of keeping up this charade? Well, I I guess part of it is that they don't want word that Odysseus is back to get out because they've got all these dead suitors in the courtyard. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but you know, they're still they're still covering that up. I I don't know. Sorry. What were you going to say, Joe?
2: I was going to say, at least in the in my translation, the way that it appears is that while Odysseus is still deceiving his father word is already getting out to the to the rest of the town of what's gone on now i could be wrong in the way that i'm reading that but that's what i that was my chronology
1: yeah i think you're right let me see yeah it's it's simultaneous action there uh, yeah
3: yeah so well, not not that odysseus necessarily knows that
1: I mean, right my read on the lie was he was going for like the big reveal like he was he <laughs> was trying to build up the you know, surprise, it's me, your son moment. uh, Mm -hmm. And doing that in part by driving this despair slightly deeper. And it, I mean, he he kind of seems to realize that he shouldn't be doing this and breaks into it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had actually forgotten about this scene until I was reading it again. And in my mind, I was thinking, do you want to give someone a heart attack? Because that's how you give someone a heart attack.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I You know, I, some sometimes I think Odysseus comes off as so. I was gonna say self-aggrandizing, but I think I'll be charitable and go with dramatic, like you said, Coyle. That <laughs> that he ju- he just can't let the moment for drama pass, even when it's really not kind at all. Like his father groveling in grief on the ground while he's playing up for his big reveal. Like that's that's just gut wrenching to me. Um, to imagine to imagine seeing that, especially considering how important and the the, kind of the stature that a father has in relationship to a son in the in the culture of this tale. You know, the, the the humiliation of seeing your father so unmanned. By grief, long, long grief. Um, I mean, I, this is the the the. It seems to me the most human moment when Odysseus kind of leaps forward and reveals himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because because it is, you know, both hands clawing the ground for dirt and grime. And he poured it over his grizzled head. It is that instant that you know Odysseus' heart shuddered. A sudden twinge went shooting up. So he sees that he's gone too far and yeah. repents of it or, or, or moves to, to stop his dad before he can wallow any further down. I don't know. Maybe that drama is a, uh, cause he is the man of many ways. He is cunning. He is, mm-hmm. he, he, reads people very, very well. I, I get, I think Odysseus would be very good at poker. Um, Maybe that maybe (laughs) maybe maybe things like this are one of the kind of unfortunate side effects of that attentiveness and insight that he has into what other people are thinking, Um, because he's able to use that those moments of high drama well against the suitors for, you know, just for one example, you know, really, really drawing them out and allowing them to reveal themselves and then dramatically revealing himself. Which you know also revealed something about themselves in the in the moment they began to be slaughtered, uh, and this is just a uh, this is just him going too far with that in in an inappropriate situation.
0: Yeah, it's funny to see when it misfires because uh, I feel like it kind of misfired with Penelope. Yes, he really wanted to have yeah. that big reveal, like "Here I am," and she's like, "Yeah, I don't believe
1: you." <laughs> 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 nah.
0: Nah. Which I, I gotta
1: that, say, he was
3: way more I think that's patient than that I think situation. That's one of the...
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I think that's one of the things I like about Odysseus is that, unusually for a Greek hero, y- you can kind of have a laugh with him at his own expense occasionally. You'd never try that with Achilles.
2: No. <laughs>
0: No, no, that would, that not, would be an instant, instant blood feud.
3: Yeah, not Not if you wanted to keep spear points out of your groin or anything. <laughs> right.
0: Or your liver.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thinking back to all of those anatomically specific, specific skewer rings in the Iliad fight scenes. Right. Oh, um, so here we are at the very end. The end of all things. And... We do get peace at the end of the book but Odysseus has essentially eliminated most of the heirs of the of the socially politically economically prominent people not only on Ithaca but on surrounding islands because they were all trying to marry the queen of Ithaca
2: mm-hmm.
0: right so how could, how could there possibly be peace at the end of this, right? They aren't just a bunch of guys in a room who were rude to his wife. They're the heirs of all the connected families that had been his allies and are his neighbors. <laughs> how can we get peace at the end of this without a day of machina? I mean, is is that a fair reading? Like, I kind of feel like Homer cheats here. But I, but I also can't think of any other way around.
1: Right. The, the good news is there is a deus ex machina that brings peace. So, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, the other way, the way around it is he kills everyone else.
0: Yeah. And then their brothers show up and then their brothers show up and it's just Troy all over again.
1: Right.
3: Turns into uh, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven.
0: Uh, is this the first use of a mind wipe in fiction to resolve a problem? <laughs> uh, cause, you know, t- typically I kind of fast forward to the end and then Athena tells everybody stop fighting and then in the form of mentor she makes pacts of peace, but, uh, about, uh, a little less than a hundred lines before that, Zeus had said that what he was go- is that what he will do after that is that both sides will seal their pacts, that he shall reign for life. This is around line 534 or so, and then let us purge their memories of the bloody slaughter and br- of their brothers and their sons. Let them be friends, devoted as in the old days. Do you think that's literal? Like, like he's literally gonna make them forget what happened?
1: I, I I didn't read that as literal. I read that as, we'll 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 forgive, right? We'll we'll pass it over. Uh, we won't think about it anymore.
2: That was my understanding as well.
3: Yeah, that that's the way I want to read it as kind of a water under the bridge, sort of attitude. I don't know though.
1: Okay. But I, so I I like the I'm sort the of only... Jedi like, these are not the Greeks you're looking for type thing, I mean, that's <laughs> there's something- <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, I'm just imagining after Athena gets everybody to calm down, that she does some kind of like, men in black flash thing <laughs> and says, you're all friends, none of you have sons <laughs>
3: your, your sons were all killed in a uh, swamp gas explosion <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, blue book Uh, yeah okay okay maybe maybe i'm being a little bit too literal there but i I remember the first time i read that line i was like holy crap is that the is that the way out (laughs) because i have a really hard time imagining like oh golly i mean for for just years and decades thereafter every time you're kind of out in the market or in some kind of public council or whatever all the same age guys around you, like you killed their sons.
3: <laughs> That's yeah. So, mm. I, finally,
2: I finally found it in my translation. And the note that I had made when I read it with Zeus speaking, he said, We for our part will blot out the memory of sons and brothers slain. For me, that meant that they wouldn't, mes- that the gods wouldn't necessarily rile up whomever, the way that they had kept the fight going in Iliad. Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, the ways that the gods functioned to keep arguments alive. Right. I like that.
1: Yeah, that's good.
3: Yeah, especially cuz it I mean it took kind of took a, a similar act on the you know between the gods themselves to get Odysseus permission to go home in the first place. So it's almost like this is the kind of um, mortal-level equivalent of settling those scores. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's interesting because back in Book 22, after Odysseus kill, kills Antonus, sort of the next suitor in rank tries to start peace talks right then. Mm-hmm says hey you killed antinous he really was the worst <laughs> and all the suitors <laughs> nod
1: <laughs> yeah he was the
0: worst so we're going to pay you back and go home and we're cool right um they're not cool but it it is interesting to me that there are no terms of peace until odysseus wins and then terms of peace but that's but you know that's that's athena's terms you know, that's how Athena is working in this. I mean, she even makes sure that, like, old Grandpa Laertes even gets some points on the board before she calls the truce. hmm <laughs> You know, so Team Odysseus gets one more goal, and then, and then stop. And now, and now stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like a grandfather, father, son, you know. They have their moment, their big hero moment um but now now peace but we know it's not going to last because he's still got to go pay Poseidon back
1: yeah
2: yep uh yeah
1: but but uh, the uh his his home is now in order right there, there's peace in the household right. which is the, the 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 big point of of this poem anyway uh we our left left, uh, presumably the, the Greeks would have known the, the other epics that dealt with his, his later journeys. But we know that Ithaca has been restored.
3: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he, kn- he knows what to do to satisfy Poseidon. Right. It's uh the story of him scoping out how to deal with the Ithaca situation that takes up so much of this book.
0: Right. You know... I, th- I feel like that's a great way to close out this discussion because, in a in a in a strong way, the resolution of what was happening back at home always had much higher, at least in my reading of it, much higher emotional and dramatic stakes to it than really the fate of Odysseus itself. <laughs> You know, if if it was just the pleasure and pain of Odysseus that was at stake, we could have left him on you know Calypso's nymph love island, <laughs> right? Like he was he was not happy, but you know he was he was fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he, he was he physically have, safe. He but would have this, been a god if he'd stayed, right? Like he gave that up to go home.
0: Yeah. So the first two books are not about making us feel bad about Odysseus. They're about letting us know what the stakes of Odysseus' absence are for everyone else in his life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now that's resolved. That's a great
1: place to end. So now he can go back to Calypso's Island if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> no, we
3: know No, we know he ends up sailing to Mount Purgatory. I was going
2: to say Dante lets us
0: know what really happened.
3: <laughs>
2: the next thing... <laughs>
3: The disappointing sequel. <laughs> the,
0: the very disappointing <laughs> sequel. Uh, there is an expanded Odyssey universe sequel that follows the adventures of Telemachus thereafter, and I think, I think he marries Circe. Interesting, Which is weird. It's deeply weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade vibe there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 so, so, yeah. Hmm. Well, this has been fun, gentlemen. Um, yeah. Any last uh, any last fair, fond farewells we want to bid the Odyssey and this uh, not just the end of our episode, but the end of this season of Core curriculum.
1: I have
3: two recommendations to make, maybe, because um, when I think of the Odyssey. I think of the poem first, but also to think of two favorite, um, a a book and a movie, each of which was inspired by the Odyssey that I just adore. Uh, the book is cold mountain by Charles Frazier, uh, which is a civil war novel about a soldier coming back from the siege of Petersburg, uh, and running into cannibals and all kinds of other very human monsters along the way before reuniting with his beloved and uh, trying to set things to right. But it is, it is set things to rights, but it is, um it is very different um, in many ways from the Odyssey, but it was apparently inspired by it. And you can see that in its DNA. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it, but I really, I really love it. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd recommend that uh, the movie is a disappointment um, other than the soundtrack. So don't, don't watch it, read the book. Uh, the other, and you know, I can't believe I went the whole time without mentioning this yet. Oh uh, brother, where art thou? Yes. Yeah. Which, which is explicitly based on the odyssey and is yes. just chock full of wonderful little odyssey gags. Um, the Coen brothers claim never to have read the odyssey. And I don't believe that for a minute. Um, Cause it is, <laughs> it is too, it, it, is, it is too just loaded with things from the odyssey. Even a little itty bitty bit, itty bitty things um, that just as like side notes and, and punchlines uh, to, to be accidental. It's um, just a marvelous movie that I could quote all day long. And uh, it has it came out when I was in high school, so it's almost 20 years old. It might be 20 years old this year, uh, and it just keeps getting richer the more often I watch it. Um, so if you have not, for some reason, seen the Odyssey, or excuse me, seen, *O Brother Who Art Thou, uh, read the Odyssey and then go watch it or vice versa. They're both wonderful.
1: And, and avoid the movie versions of the Odyssey. Yes. Uh, both the Kirk Douglas Ulysses, which is just awful. And then the, uh, the nineties made for TV miniseries, uh, which is equally awful.
3: I like that one. Okay. But all the, all the special effects are terrible. <laughs> The the scene where he strings the bow and kills the suitors is, the dramatic high point, and it's really good.
1: It, that that scene is well done. The scene with the sirens from the Kirk Douglas movie is also really well done, which is why it's not in the '90s miniseries. They they've thought they'd done such a good job with that, they didn't need to to bother remaking it. But uh, yeah, oh brother, we're out there. Was the the legitimate heir to the Odyssey? I think.
3: Yeah.
0: Watch the movie first, and then the whole time you're reading the Odyssey, you'll have in your head, (laughs) I'm in a tight spot!
3: (laughs) You imagine Polyphemus as John Goodman. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. This has been fun, and I hope it's been fun for you, too, dear listeners. Uh, If you have any feedback on this episode, uh, well, we'll just use the general... Uh, thechristianhumanist at gmail.com that's a good place to do it also show notes for core curriculum post on christianhumanist.org uh, the Christian Humanist Radio Network has a Facebook page and we're on Twitter uh, at network is our Twitter handle in the meanwhile uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait up. F- wait for uh, what's the, the next core curriculum in line I don't know so it'll be surprised to me too. All right. <laughs> <laughs>